Amen. Well, hello and good morning, Liberty Church. I'd like to welcome all of our uh, Liberty family and Liberty friends joining us online this morning. Thank you and welcome, welcome. My name is Pastor Ian. I'm our Holly Pond Campus Pastor, and I'm super excited. I'm really uh, fired up. Uh, for this specific word that I'm going to share with us this morning, and I, and I feel like it's going to be a powerful word. I feel like it's a word that we need to hear as believers, as followers, as the church in the specific time uh, and, and place and season, really, that we are in right now, times like we've never seen before. And so I'm really excited uh, for this word, and we're kicking off a brand new series this morning titled, Why? And so that's going to be the, the focal point, the question that we're going to be looking at and talking about and asking these next couple, week, next couple weeks. And so we are, we're going to be asking that question of why. And I feel like uh, a lot of believers, a lot of Christians, uh, even the church, I feel like a lot of people the last couple weeks have been asking themselves this very question. And I believe it's healthy for us to do that. As believers, do you know, uh, uh, I think it pleases God when we, sit, when we search his word and read his word in such a real, real way, a powerful way, that we begin to ask him questions. I believe it excites him, that I believe he loves a challenge, and so, you know, we need to ask these questions uh, of faith that we have, and I feel like right now, with all this crazy stuff going on in the world with this virus, it's disrupted everything from our government to our economy, to people's families, homes, churches. And I believe people are asking, God, why? Why? And uh, it's my hope and prayer uh, that God is going to uh, use Pastor Keith and myself to, uh, by his spirit and by the power of his word, uh, to prove to you that God did not cause this virus. I want you to hear me. God did not cause this virus. God is good. If you're sitting there watching with me online, you can go ahead and look at somebody or one of your family members and say, hey, God is good. Or if you want to go ahead and comment that or type that in the, the message box below, type that in, God is good. And we're going to prove that to you because God's a good, good father. And he doesn't, doesn't cause these types of things to happen. So, uh, if you're following along with the uh, the the the, uh, the message and the, the outline available on our YouTube version app, if you haven't got that, go ahead and get it, and you can follow along right with me with your phone. Uh, but the first point that we're going to lay out this morning simply says, and ask that question: If God is good, if God loves us, is God if God is with us, then why? God, if you're good, if you're really with us, then why? Why all this stuff? Why all the sickness, disease, and death? Why the evil, the murder, the rape, the abuse? Why all the poverty, the lack, and starvation? Why all the pandemics, epidemics, natural disasters? And why? I know you're sitting there thinking it. Why COVID-19? If you're a parent and you're watching... Me and uh, Pastor Jessica are expecting a baby soon on the next couple months, so we're excited. And if you're a parent, I know uh, you get asked these types of questions all the time, right, by your kids. <laughs> if God really loves me, Mommy and Daddy, why does he cause all this stuff? You have maybe even entered into these types of conversations uh, at your workplace on the lunch break with people, uh, non-believers, and, and don't people who don't believe use these types of things as an argument against God. Why do you believe in a God that causes all these things? 
And really, I believe this message is going to be a powerful message for the church, for believers, to have ammunition and, and to know what you believe in, especially as a parent. When your kid asks that question, see, if we don't know, if we don't know the answers, we lead our kids astray. We lead non-believers astray. And so the foundation truth that you got to know is God is good. But here's the thing. God gives people choices. And people cause evil. God is good, and we also have to remember, we can't forget that we live in a fallen world, cursed and stained by sin, right? Because of the choice that Adam, the first man, and Eve made. And so we have this tendency to think, because I live for God, everything is supposed to be hunky-dory, good. Uh, I'm not supposed to have tests and trials. I'm not supposed to... Uh, life's not supposed to be hard <laughs> as a pastor I, I want to tell you and encourage you that actually when you live for Jesus sometimes it gets harder and, and, and bad things still can happen and bad things happen to good people but God doesn't cause these things he is good and he loves and cares about us I want to go ahead and look at that first scripture that we're going to use this morning it comes out of Judges Chapter 6, verse 1 through 13, and we're not the only ones that ask this question. Uh, you can find uh, 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 people uh, all throughout the Bible asking the question, why God? Uh, and at verse, uh, verse 1 there, it says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. If you're following along and watching and you got your Bible open, I want you to go ahead and underline that or highlight that. It says, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So then the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. We got to know that God doesn't cause evil, but he gives people the choice to choose to do right or wrong or good or evil. And so if I'm experiencing a test of trial, tribulation, something tough, something coming against me, I got to stop, sit, get still before the Lord and say, hey, did I do something wrong? Did I disobey? Am I innocent? Am I doing something I'm not supposed to do? Because if I am, if I did, then there's repercussions for my actions. Just like the Israelites, they did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed, down, uh, handed them over to the Midianites. And God doesn't do this, uh, uh, this act of, 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 of uh, repercussions of our sin in an unloving way. If you're a parent, I'm going to go back to parents. If you have children and they disobey, they do something that they're not supposed to do, you have to ground them, you have to, you have to spank them, you have to do things to get them not to do what they're doing. Do you do that because you don't love your kids? No, you do that because you love them. You're trying to help them and protect them and lead them and guide them along. And so if, if we're experiencing something, we've got to stop. So I'll say, is there something that I've done that is causing this maybe to happen in my life. Let's go ahead and skip right down to verse 12 just for time's sake. So there at verse 12, it says, Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Gideon. This is Gideon in the story here in Judges. And said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, Gideon says, Why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? And see, this is what happens to us. 
When we get lost, we forget what God has done. And Gideon is, he's forgetting all the goodness that God has done. He's reminding the angel of what God has done. But he says, why does it feel like God has left us, forsaken us? Why is all this evil happening to us? We have to remember that we live in a fallen world. And if, and if, and if, I, I'm reflecting on my life and the things that I'm experiencing are not done by my own doing. If I haven't been in a place of disobedience, if I'm doing everything right, if I'm really living for God and I'm still experiencing a test, still experiencing a trial, still experiencing the fallout of this virus in my life, then maybe I still have to see if it's not me, it's other people in the world that have chosen evil. So if we didn't choose evil, somebody else probably has. Let's look at that next point. Really the first step to understanding why things happen, other than knowing God gives us a choice and that he loves us and that we're in a fallen world, is that we have to understand this. We have to understand God's original plan, that his original creation uh, and that his original plan was a world without evil, pain, sickness, or death. Think back to the garden. Adam and Eve had it made. This reveals the character and the heart of God. They, they walked and talked and fellowshiped with God every day. They had everything that they needed. They, they, they were in paradise. And that was God's plan, his original plan. So let's read Genesis 1 through 31. So it says, then God looked over at all he had made and saw that it was very good. That it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. So God, God, God made what he made and it was pleasing and good to him. And then on the seventh day he rested, right? It was so good that he rested. Anybody been there or something? So I'm going to rest after I complete this. And so it, it, it was good. There was no sickness. There was no disease. Adam and Eve had everything that they needed. They walked and talked and fellowshiped with God. See, and so I want to go back to that point. Some of y'all may be asking this question. If this was God's original plan, without evil, pain, and sickness, and death, then what are we in now? <laughs> Is this God's plan B? I'm here to tell you that God did not change his mind. This is not God's plan B. You got to remember and think that it was, it was man that, that, that decided and acted against God and acted in sin, and there was repercussions of sin. And I want to remind you that if you uh, read your Bible, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon says that there was a time and a season for everything under the sun, a time for war, a time for peace. He goes on and on and on and on. And so there was a time and a season for the old covenant. The law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the rites and rituals. There was a time and a season for that. And now we are blessed as a time and a season of mercy and grace that was ushered in this new covenant by Jesus Christ. And really, the, the, there's no plan or plea, no plan A or no plan B. It all works together for the good of those who love him. God didn't change his mind. And really, it's the old covenant that comes together with the new covenant. It, the old covenant helps reveal the fact that we are evil, that we messed up. 
that we have a sin issue and separation issue. And it was the old covenant that reveals the perfection of Jesus Christ in our lives because Jesus fulfilled that to the T, to the completion. And without the old covenant, we couldn't have a savior to come to, to point us to the fact that he is the one, the mighty lamb of God who can save the world. Amen? So, so I want you to hear me and trust me. God has you. Jesus has already went and paved the way beforehand. So rest in his peace. He's got you. See, when we question God if he's, if he's bad and if he's causing these things in my life, it's a scheme of the enemy to, to, to keep me drawn away and drawn back from entering into the presence of God because God is really my source, and if I look at him as the one that's causing these bad things in my life, I'm not going to go to him for help. And it's how the enemy keeps us bound and disconnected from entering in to what God really wants to do in your life, to trust him. Let's look at that next point. So, I'm really going to nail this, this nail on the head a lot today. God is good. Okay, I want you to write that down if you haven't already wrote it down. God doesn't allow evil. But God does allow people to make choices and it's our choices that produce the good or evil. God hates evil and is at war with evil. So God doesn't allow the evil, but he allows people, right? God created people. He created us and we have to choose. We have to make a choice. I can remember Ian's life before I came and accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Man, I was a mess. I caused all sorts of evil, all sorts of heartache for my family and friends that loved and cared about me the most. I hurt people. I sowed discord. I did all the things. And now it's crazy to think that I am a campus pastor. God knew there was a plan for my life, but I didn't choose his plan first. And so God didn't cause that evil. Ian caused that evil for other people. It's, it's based on the choices that we make. We can produce good or evil. And so why evil? Why all this sickness, disease, all this stuff, God? Because people have a choice. Why evil? Because people have a choice. And if God infringed on our free will, on the choice that he gives us, that would not be real love. God doesn't want robots, mindless robots, uh, not choosing to love him, but like forced to love him. He, he's not going to force you to choose him. He didn't force Ian to, to choose him. And so God can't infringe on that free will that he gives us. And that proves that he's good too. Because he gives us a choice. He gives you a choice. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you can choose him or deny him. So let's choose him today. That's as the church, choose God. Let's choose Jesus. Let's choose the Holy Spirit to bring hope and joy and peace to the world right now. And let's choose life. 
Because y'all, the world, it needs life. It's need, it needs it just as bad as it did back in biblical times, but right now it really needs some life. I get on Facebook and Instagram, and, and, and I almost had like a meltdown about a week and a half or so ago. It was just so uh, infested with just so much negative things. I had to just disconnect. Because nobody's speaking life. Nobody's, they think this is a big old joke. And it breaks my heart. There are real people being affected by this stuff. This might change the, the face of our nation for years to come. We need to be on our faces praying. We need to be in our words seeking his face and saying what he says. So that the church can lead. What would happen if the church led the fight, the attack on what is going on with this virus. Signs, miracles, and wonders in Jesus' name. We got to choose God and choose life. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19. We gave the same scripture to y'all last week, so y'all going to get a double dose. So write this down, follow along in your Bible. We use this scripture a lot here at Liberty Church. I know our Holly Pond folks, they hear it from me all the time as well. So today... You know, all you have is today. Tomorrow is not promised. So today, I have given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. He proves his goodness by giving us a choice. By giving us a choice to choose life and not death, blessings and not curses. When I choose life and not, uh, when I choose life and blessings and not death and curses, I'm better. Ian's better, my family's better, my church is better, everybody I come in contact with is better. And I want you to hear me. This proves God's goodness as well because he gives us a choice and God is not gonna Prove his goodness or his love for us ever again. He's already proven his goodness and his love based on the fact that Jesus went to the cross. That is final. That is finished. God proves his goodness and his love and that he's trustworthy based on the fact of what Jesus did on the cross. And I want you to hear me. God is not going to prove his love ever again. Do you know, God doesn't owe you anything more in your life. Jesus has already paid the perfect sacrifice for your wholeness, for your faith, for your healing, for your family, for your deliverance, for your freedom, for the mercy and the grace that you need in your life right now in this place, in this time, in this season. He's already demonstrated it. He's already proven it. And he's not going to do it again. And when it comes back next time, do you know he's coming back? He's not coming back disguised as a baby in a manger. He's coming back on a high white horse with an army of angels and the brothers and sisters. And so he's not going to prove his love for us. Again, and here's the thing. See, God doesn't send anybody to hell. We send ourselves we send ourselves based on the fact that we choose death and we choose curses and we choose sin and we choose self and we choose Satan and we choose Facebook, we choose Instagram, we choose all this stuff other than God. 
and I end up sending myself to hell. I've, I've heard uh, non-believers use that for an argument too. If God loves everyone, why does he send people to hell? <laughs> God's proven his love. He's not going to prove it again. If you have breath in your lungs today, you can choose him or you can reject him and deny the blessing of what that means in your life. You will send yourself based on your choice. And so that is why there's evil, because we have people rejecting and denying the fact of, of the goodness of who God is, and, and they live like heathens, and they hurt and curse the world, and they bring death and murder and sickness and rape, and all these things happen through people, by their choices that we make. Acts 13, 46. It says, then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared, it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews. But since you have rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles. Isn't it so crazy that the very people that Jesus came to save, his own people, his own lineage, his own bloodline, the Jewish people rejected him. They didn't see what God was doing. The king that they envisioned in the mind, the king that they were praying and believing for and standing in the gap for prophets in the Old Testament were praying and decreeing and prophesying that what happened, they missed it because they denied and rejected the fact that Jesus is who he is and that he is who he says that he was. And so people continue to re reject God and Jesus in this life. And this is why we still have evil in the world, Romans 8, 1 through 3. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. Y'all, I want you to hear me. This is how we defeat the evil in our world, by preaching the gospel, the good news of what this scripture says in Romans. What the law could not do, God's original plan could not do to bring us into right relationship with him, Jesus was able to do by fulfilling that law and establishing a new promise, a new law, a, a new covenant that says all I got to do now is by faith, believe and confess in him, live for him and follow him, and now sin cannot lord over me anymore. Every, one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I believe every disease and sickness will bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. If you have sickness in your body, you need to confess uh, the blood of Jesus over yourself. It must bow at the feet of Jesus. And here's the thing. The more people that accept Jesus, the better our world will be. The better our world will be. We gotta stop pointing fingers and blaming, especially pointing the fingers at God, blaming him for things that he hasn't done. <laughs> Point other people that, that hurt us. We're not at war with the people that, that don't like us or the people we don't like. We're at war with the spirit of this place that is within that person, that spirit of antichrist, divination, selfishness, pride. 
And so if we, could, if we could share this scripture, the good news of what it means to accept Jesus, the world would change, the world would get better. Amen, let's look at that next point. So sickness, evil, poverty, and pain, and death are not the works of God. It is what happens when you remove God from the equation. I love that. It's what happens when you remove God from the equation. And I know as we read that, that point, some of y'all may be asking some questions, thinking about the God that we serve, uh, how he is, his personality, his character traits that we see demonstrated in the Old Testament. When people are getting slain down by lightning bolts and the earth opening up and, uh, and death and wars and uh, people dying because of the, their disobedience and their sin. And I just want to reiterate what that means for us. That the, how good it really is for us because Jesus fulfilled that law. God was right and just to do those things based on the law and guidelines that he had set in place within the Old Testament, the Old Covenant with his people. And Jesus coming onto the scene, fulfilling that, now it changes. God no longer does these things. The judgment has been set and paid in full. And so God does not operate in this way. These things happen when we remove God from the equation. Y'all, and this is what we have been doing, the world has been trying to do since the beginning. Remove God from the equation. How can I get to the promised land? How can I get the blessings? How can I get all the stuff that I want? The pride of life, the things that I think I want and need in my life. How do I get those things without having to live for God? Don't lie, you thought it. We want to remove God from the equation. I want all the stuff, but I don't necessarily want to give him my life. And see, we can't, we, we can't do that. When I do that, when I remove God from the equation, evil abounds. When I remove God from the equation, evil abounds. Lying, cheating, stealing, killing, anger, jealousy, discord, etc. On and on and on. If I remove the source, if I remove God from the equation, he's the constant in this equation. It won't work without him. We're left to our own devices. We need him in our lives. Romans 5, 12. And here it is. When Adam's sin, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone had sinned. What did Adam do? He disobeyed. He ate of the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge. He took God out of the equation. He wanted the promise without having to give his life and do what God had asked him. And because he took God out of the equation, what did he experience? Sickness, poverty, pain, and death. And guess what happened? When that happened, in a moment, in an instant, that curse that of the repercussion of that sin was passed down to, to, from, from then on. Jesus was hung on the cross for Ian's uh, sins and iniquities because of the fact that I inherited that from Adam, the first man. I'm going to pick, I'm picking on all the parents today. I must be becoming a father here soon, thinking what it means to be a parent a lot. 
You know, when you, uh, as a parent, I just had a brain fart. <laughs> oh, Lord, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Uh, when we choose anything else over God, we're just like Adam. If we try to get to the promise without following God, we're just like Adam. We remove God from the equation and we, we disqualify ourselves. Amen. And because Adam fell short, we fall short. It's passed on. Holy Spirit, thank God. Remember what I was going to say. As a parent, you don't have to tell your children how to lie. You have to tell them how to tell the truth. <laughs> And see, that's, that, 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 that proves how, how sin was passed down. We naturally already know how to lie and, and, and to cheat and to steal and do all these things. We have to be taught the ways of God. And so you don't have to teach your children how to lie, but you do got to teach them how to tell the truth. Amen. That's because Adam sinned and fell short and was passed on to us. Let's read John 10, 10. I use this scripture all the time. Here is a defining line for your life on how whether you can gauge uh, what is really going on in your life. And here it is. This is Jesus speaking. He says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So hear me. Anything that is being killed, stolen, destroyed in your life is not God's fault. Jesus says that is because of the devil, the enemy, who roars around like a lion, teaching what he can kill, steal, and destroy in your life. And so, y'all, we got to stop blaming God for the things of the enemy. Y'all, you've been mad at the wrong person, disconnecting yourself from the source. If you want to get mad at somebody, if you want to point a finger of blame, point it at the stinking devil who does not care about you. We're blaming the wrong person, the wrong things, the wrong places, the wrong things. And see, when we blame God, y'all, this breaks my heart. When we blame God, we say Jesus was not enough. When I blame God, I tell God that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. And because I do that, I'm calling God a liar. I'm saying that what he's done and demonstrated for me that he freely gave isn't good enough. And that God's word is a lie. You know, God's not a liar. He sees and perfects his word in our lives. Let's look at that next point. God is good and he uh, is at war with evil and has already fought for you. This is the first foundational truth. This is really what you gotta write down, get ingrained in your spirit, transplant, plant in your heart that God is good and he's at war with evil. He hates evil. Why did Jesus have to die on a cross? Because he hates evil. It was the only way to make us right with him. And so he's already demonstrated that he's fought for us. This is, has to be our first foundational truth. It has to start with us believing God is good, and we have to realize he's proven that through us, through Jesus. And God is just. He placed all the judgment of, all, of everyone's sins, the world's sins, on Jesus. 
So he does not place more judgment on us. <laughs> now I have to walk out my salvation, but if I believe and receive that gift, I'm made right with God through faith. And it's Jesus that makes us right. Let's look at that. Uh, the next scripture, we're going to skip down to Romans 5, 8 through 11. And it says, but, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Y'all, it doesn't get any better than this. He's good and he's fought for us. He proves it through this scripture. It says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you didn't choose Jesus, God still chose you. In your darkness, in your sin, in your evilness, in your perversion, all these things. When you were in that place, Jesus still chose you. He still went and laid his life for you. And he said, no one takes my life, but I lay it down freely for the ones that I love. And so he demonstrates that for us. John 19, 30. This is right at the end of Jesus, right before he's offered up and releases himself. And it says, when he had tasted it, the sour wine that they... They gave him the guards. He said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and released his spirit. Do you really believe? I know that you know Jesus said, amen, it's finished. But do you really believe that when he said, amen, it's finished, that it's finished? When Jesus said, amen, it's finished, it was at that point that the battle for your soul was literally won. The battle for your soul at that moment was literally won, but here's the thing. It was at that same moment that the responsibility of this truth began. Yeah, the battle for your soul was won on the cross when Jesus said, amen, it's finished, but it was at that moment that the revelation of that truth, the responsibility of what that means in my life began. And now I have to choose, do I really believe that God loved me so much that he would do that for me? Or do I believe that God does not love me, does not care about me? He, he still does evil things to me. And if I do, I choose death. I choose curses. And so I have a responsibility based on the, the revelation of that truth. And if we want the world to change and get better, we have to see our individual responsibility of sharing Christ. We have to see the role that we individually play as a member of church, as a, being a part of, of a body of, of Christ. You have gifts, you have talents, you have things that you can do for the kingdom. Are you seeing and recognizing and are you uh, responding and acting by faith and, and sharing that, that, that part of Jesus into the world? Are you doing that? Or are you maybe standing on the fence and Pointing and judging other people uh, because they are doing that. 
And you sit there and think, oh, I could do that better, or I could do this better, or why do they do that? And you're really not doing anything for Christ. And you just want to sit back and judge others who are out there in the front lines doing real work. And so we got to see and recognize the responsibility of what that means because it literally changes my life. It, it changes history. It changes everything. And so why is there evil? Because there's still people who need to make that choice for Christ. Why is there evil? Why is, why is these things happening? Because there are still people who need to make that choice for Christ. And if you're joining, joining us online today and you're with us, I don't know where you're at, I don't know what you're going through, but if you know, sitting there watching that you've never made that choice, to accept Christ into your life. We call it being born again or getting saved. I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. And you got it made because you're in the comfort of your own home. And so here in a moment, I want to lead us in a prayer. I just want to ask everybody just to bow your heads and close your eyes and just get in his presence. And let's just be open, honest, and transparent before the Lord and just say, God, search me. Is there anything in me, God, that's displeasing to you? Is there anything in me, God, that's offensive to you? God, if I've been blaming you for bad and evil things going on in my life, if so, God, I forgive you. You've demonstrated your love by sending your son. God, you do love and care about me and you have my back. So we renounce that as sin. God, we repent. God, we return to the high place so that we can commune and be right with you, Father God. And if you're sitting there this morning and you're that person that's you've never accepted Christ into your life and you want to do that now, I want to encourage you, this is going to be the best moment in your life. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you're at home watching, I want you to repeat it after me. So dear Heavenly Father, God, we believe that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. God, I ask for forgiveness right now. God, and I receive Jesus into my life. God, help lead me. Help guide me by your truth. We love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, we love y'all very much, and I miss you. I miss the church. I miss all of our Holly Pond folks and our Arab folks. No, we're praying for you. Uh, if you made that choice to accept Christ today, I want to encourage you, make a comment in the message box. Say, I did that today, or we have a link provided. We'd like you to click that and just get some information on how we can help I'll come alongside you and grow in Christ. Amen. So we will see you next week, same place, same time. We love you, and thank you. So be blessed.